This episode of the Table Podcast is brought to you by Health Warrior. Health Warrior is a superfood company headquartered right here in Richmond, Virginia. Health Warrior believes better health will build a stronger society. You can find Health Warrior products at Whole Foods, Wegmans, Target, Kroger, and Elwood Thompson. Try one of their world-famous Chia Bars, which are now available in coconut, honey almond, and pumpkin seed. This week on the Table Podcast, we're talking about monuments. Monuments are all the rage following Mayor LeVar Stoney's announcement last week that he has appointed a 10-member commission to study ways to add context around Richmond's most famous street, Monument Avenue. The mayor said, and I quote, It's time to set the historical record straight. But is now the right time to be talking about monuments in Richmond? While the city of Richmond and our region are faced with other pressing issues such as public education, and the distribution of wealth within our city and region. I've pulled together some of the best people I can find to talk about this topic. I've pulled historians, educators, activists. They're all around the table this week, and we're talking about one thing, monuments. This is The Table Podcast, and I'm your host, Cheats. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Cheats, and this is the Table Podcast. We are very excited to be here at Health Warrior, our new sponsor. We're very excited about the sponsorship that Health Warrior and the support that they do for the community. Make sure that you do check them out. Um, we're just just ecstatic to be here and ecstatic to be with a really good group. We are talking monuments today. Uh, we're talking Monument Avenue. We're talking Confederate monuments in Richmond. It is a big topic around the world following the announcements in places like uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, following what's happened in Charlottesville, and everyone in Richmond is watching it very closely. Um, exciting time for us in Richmond as well, trying to figure out, kind of maneuver our way around this monument discussion with the announcement last Thursday from Mayor Stoney that he has appointed a 10-person commission to study and look at monuments. And as he quotes, and I'll try to quote this, uh, accurately set the historic record straight on monuments in Richmond. It's the story told by the Confederate monuments that give the street its famous name and have been defined its landscape for more than a century. The story is at best an incomplete story, equal parts myth and deception. When I was running for office, I said that these Confederate statues require context, that is, an explanation of what they actually are who built them, why they were built, and how they came to reside over the culture of this city. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our time. It's our responsibility to see, to set the record straight today. I quickly want to introduce the amazing roundtable participants for this episode of The Table. I'm very excited to go around the room and introduce you to Bill, Alex, Julian, Kelly, Pam, I'm going to say Dr. T because that's how I do it. I mean, there's other doctors, but there's only one Dr. T for me, uh, Ted and Noah. And I'd like to, before we go any further, just welcome you all to the table. It's a pleasure to have you guys here. Thanks. I'm going to start, there's a couple of historians around the table, uh, but I'm going to start with my buddy Bill Martin here, who is a one of the, one of the most knowledgeable historians I know. And... Let me just ask this particular question for you. 
the path that the nation, the path that the city of Richmond is going in regards to this monument discussion, is it a surprise? Is it not a surprise? Is it due time? Is it past due time? Uh, have we researched this issue enough? Is the verdict kind of out on monuments? Where do we go from here? I think it's kind of interesting because we have always had mon a monument problem. <clears throat> and I think we can look at our history of, of placemaking and monument making. And whether it's the Washington Monument on Capitol Square or a Columbus statue, you know, whose story is reflected in the monuments that are built in a particular period? And what do they mean to the people that are building them? And what do they mean to us today? And so I think we're at this, I think we're at a really important pivot point for Richmond because we can, we don't have to do what everyone else is doing. You know, there's, Richmond has this thing about, well, everybody else is building a coliseum and everybody else is building a convention center. Everybody else has got to have this. You know, just because everyone else is doing something doesn't mean that that's the right path for Richmond. And that Richmonders need to, this, to seize this opportunity to have a tough conversation about what's right for this city and how do we expand that story. You know, there, what, what I've heard nothing about in any of these conversations is, you know, there's a story that's sitting in the middle of our city uh, in Shaco Bottom that's not even mentioned. Is that it's as if we can put all of our history on one street and, it, and that's, that deals with all of it. And so I think that, that for us, it's, this, is the, this is a pivot point for the city to have a difficult conversation about when, a, when someone, when a child goes to school and they take that school bus, do they, what kind of story do they come home with? What do they see along the way? that gives them a clue about what they, what kind of future they can build for themselves. And I think that may be the, the point where we should start the conversations. What is, what's the story that we want people to walk away from the city with? And I'm not sure it can all be done on our mind and that. I think we have to make sure that neighborhoods are strengthened, that, that our neighborhoods become monuments of themselves. And so I have, a, I mean, that's it. I'm sorry. No, you bring up a good point. I want to, I want to ask Dr. T, you, you're one that knows about storytelling and telling good stories through your history. Let me ask this because I have a belief. I'll, I'll listen to uh, your thought, but uh, the question is: Is the ball game? Does it start and end with monument? Is the ball game Monument Avenue at this point in time? If no, because I have a belief, and I don't want to. Before I, my belief is, no matter what they do anywhere else in the city or in the region, if Monument Avenue still looks the same. Uh, it's going to be. It's not going to really have the impact that I think people are looking to have. Well, what do you What do you think? Is the ball is, is the is the is the game monument happening? I don't know. I I don't think it can. You know, I don't think the game starts and ends in one place. I mean, I I think it's way broader um, than that. As you were mentioning, Shackle Bottom, for example. Uh, I was working with residents in the Fulton neighborhood, um, um, East um, Richmond, and um, they kind of bristle at that name, Shaco Bottom, or The Bottom. And I never knew that until I came and started listening to their stories and their history. You know, and so, so the naming of things is extremely important, and what that name then does to people, where it takes them, what it, what it, unearths for them is extremely important. And I think the conversations around 
the monuments that are in Richmond and who built them and why is the conversation that needs to be had. Um, and there's a lot of talk about that. And I'll ask Julian, is that a good starting point to tell accurate stories around the monuments that we are here? Sure. Um, you know, monument has a 20th century story, right? I mean, we all know that the Commonwealth and Richmond was central uh, to not only slavery, but slave trading, right? Um, but many of the crises that are taking place in the city right now are 20th century crises, the compression of poverty in particular neighborhoods. You know, the whole avenue was a real estate development, right? Designed to build. Uh, did people did people know that? That's a good point. No, did people they don't. really know that? A lot of people don't, right? It was designed to build this um, upscale neighborhood around the idea of the lost cause and, and, and Southern patriarchy, right? I mean, it's completely, it's a completely fabricated identity in that way because um, there were two other proposals right before that right. failed there was one to put us put lee on capitol square and one to put lee in church hill mm. so it's, it's all the sort of ongoing discussion of where do we put my, so i guess my ultimate point is i think you know building off what you said um dr t it's a starting point to have a deeper conversation about what happened not only to Richmond, but what happened to cities with large majority African-American populations in the 20th century, right? And if we can use Monument Avenue to have that conversation, then perhaps we can weave our way through Shackle Bottom and into Mosby Court and into some of these other areas in this city, right? That in many ways have been, have not been given the building blocks to upward mobility, not only in the twilight of the 20th century, but the 21st. And I think there's a reason we're having this conversation about Monument Avenue right now. It's because the stuff that's going on in the city. It's because the stuff that's going on in New Orleans. It's stuff that's going on around the United States, right? Wouldn't be an issue right now if inequality, um, uh, don't get me wrong, I think we'd still have a conversation. There'd be a conversation to be had about those monuments, but I think, um, that conversation is much more rich now, in large part because of uh, the failures of uh, the shortfalls, if you will, of um, the civil rights movement, the shortfalls of um, 20th century equality movements, and the blowback and the backlash to uh, black humanity in the 20th century. That's what's going on. Let I think mean, all this is chock full of that. Let yeah. me just ask this, because I strongly believed that South Carolina got caught in the matrix. And I say that because nine people got killed at a church sure. and their response to that killing, that slaughter, that was racially motivated right. was, let's take the Confederate flag down off the Capitol. Yeah. And everyone celebrated. So- yes. not everyone, but- Not, not everyone, <laughs> but, but I, I do feel like there was some, well, we gotta do something but we don't exactly know what to do. Well, this Confederate civil has to come down off the Capitol. And I kind of, I don't know if that was, I, I wrote a piece after that. I was like, I don't know if, it, sounds like, it looks like South Carolina got called the Matrix here. But let me ask this, it, uh, timing based off of what's happening in Richmond, I'm gonna ask Noah, the mayor's announcement, but also just this general conversation. You and I had a personal conversation about monuments two, three weeks before, you know, all this stuff that happened last week. And I kind of got the sense from you that you felt that it was past time to have these discussions. Is this a good starting point? Yeah, I think it absolutely is. I think to Bill's point, um, you know, we're, we're looking at, yeah, it, it, well, so we, uh, to go back up, I mean, you and I had this conversation because I, I was looking at what was happening in other cities, right? Mm -hmm. And now you were saying, uh, Richmond doesn't have to follow, but Richmond does follow, and it is one of these places where it's always been behind. And it's always <laughs> been, we're always, I mean, my folks moved here in 68, and it was like, 48 when they moved. And this yeah. is the time to be ahead. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I think we can we can make it. We can show how you actually respond to this, right? And this is a chance. But at the same time, I you know, growing up here, I'm kind of numb and immune to it. And it took what was happening now for me to wake up too and be like, oh. Right. This is nonsense. Like this, this, what is going on? Why would we even consider keeping these things? This is horrible. But I wasn't thinking about that because I was just going on and there were this thing in the background that I'd always seen my whole life. And it was honestly a talk that you'd given that made me start to think differently about, I, you know, no one in school told us why those were built or when they were built. What, you know, they were just this historical thing. And when you, when I saw you give a talk about um, how they were selling pieces of the rope that was used to pull it and these children bringing it down. You know, this, this narrative that suddenly became a lot more real and a lot more like, yeah, this is a bunch of nonsense and I can't sit by, I can't, visuals, visuals are important. I think that's something, I'm sorry I'm like frothing here, but like the, the, when I heard about the commission and the thing is like the discussion is what they're putting on the table is how will we recontextualize these? <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. no, no, the answer is you don't. You get rid of them because visuals matter. Images matter. You can put a new plaque and it. No one reads that plaque. Right. Hey, let me ask Pam. Oh, Kelly, jump in there. Recontextualize. That whole idea of either telling the accurate story, recontextualizing, or even adding monuments as opposed to taking them down, is that a direction we need to be going? Well, I think that the, because I am nowhere near historian like all of you are, so let's let's just say, but um, I think that history is history, you know, just like when we go down to Smithsonian and it can make us sad and it can make us happy, history is history and there's a place for everything. On Monument Avenue, where some communities are being offended by this statue or other statues that are here. I think that when the majority is bothered by it, then it needs to go somewhere else. Not saying that it needs to, to, to go down and be taken away, because it is, in fact, our history. But I believe that a museum somewhere is where it should be, not as a symbol of Virginia, when so many people, not only in the community, but Virginians in general, are offended by the, the statue being there, just like in, in Henrico with Bird middle. You know, they changed the name of that because the community was offended. The community was outraged that their children were going to this school. And though it was, you know, who knows why it was named that when it was named that, but we have to go with the times and realize that even though that's what was done then, when we weren't able to really have a voice, we're able to have a voice now, stand up, make your voice be heard, and make the change. And so in Henrico, they made the change. It had a price tag, but they were able to make the change and make it so that the community as a whole was respected, considered, and remembered. I was floored, and I was floored that Henrico actually moved on that name change. I, I would have thought that we would have been much closer to Monument Avenue discussions prior to, I think it was a unanimous vote in mm -hmm. Henrico County to change Bird Middle School to Coaxin Middle School, right. I believe it was. And I was floored that they actually had the, the groundswell and the action and the community engagement, and then it seemed as if uh, when it did happen, there wasn't a lot of resistance in that regard. I was very, very surprised. But as someone that's been very familiar with, uh, very familiar with Richmond, as a lot of you in the room is, Noah mentioned something that really did resonate with me as well. And I asked Ted and get Alex in here and some others in regards to just kind of that. Uh, I think he alluded to it as like an, an ingrained nature, kind of just like growing up. I grew up wanting to live on Monument Avenue, having no idea <laughs> about the historical context, had no idea of exact, I, I couldn't even tell you all the statues that I can tell you now. They pretty houses. But I remember thinking as a kid, oh, I'm going to live here. And when I got of college age, 
I bought an apartment on Monument Avenue. I rented one. I, didn't, I can't help it. But, <laughs> but how much, Ted, do you think, as someone that is actually working on a project that's building something new in Richmond, how, how much of it do you think it's just a challenge to change even the culture to allow such of a, of, of a big change? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, I think change, change is slow as I'm learning with this project was we're learning from Richmond. Um, you know, I, I think I would push back a little bit um, just to play devil's advocate a little bit on the taking down of the monuments immediately. I think, you know, Richmond has actually, and I've seen this happen a few times when leaders from other cities come to uh, Richmond and they say, you know what, actually you guys are doing a pretty good job on these conversations. If you look at, you know, what happens at the Valentine, if you look at uh, Rob Corcoran and T. Turner and um, now Free and Kelly and others who are really leading these important discussions, I see Richmond actually taking on a leadership role there. And to me, if you just take, if you just tear the monuments down, you could be missing an opportunity to really foment a lot of important conversation um, and do that slowly. And I think by just tearing down those monuments immediately, uh, that could be the end game, I think. But I think in the interim, uh, you really do have an interesting opportunity through landscape, through context, through community conversations to, to say, this is why this is here and really educate people. And frankly, the, the folks that we are trying to reach, right, the people we're trying to change, the people we're trying to educate are not the folks here who would just be fine without them. It's the people who come visit them and the people who do, um, you know, sort of still celebrate the Civil War, celebrate those monuments. And if they come there and say, wait, now I'm learning something a little bit different that I was never taught before, to me, that's more powerful than sort of a binary decision to say, this is wrong, now it's gone. The conversation is almost over at that point, you know? Uh, so to me, to answer your question a little more directly, change is hard and it takes time. And I think, um, you know, everybody in this room is doing things that sort of help that change happen, whether it's a play of yours I've seen or uh, writing that's storytelling or writing or history. Um, you know, those things do take time. And I, I think there's an interesting opportunity to Bill's point to lead and not just say they're, they're coming down, but what if there were an international design competition where, um, you know, every architect in, in the world would be all over that sort of opportunity and look at Richmond as there becoming is this laboratory for conversation. You know that, right? Well, there's a, the storefront for community yeah. design, I think, is oh. doing a thing, but that's um, a fairly local thing. Oh, I thought it was no, international. Yeah, is it's it? international, yeah. but it's involving Richmond Public Schools and MOB, yeah. which is a VCU. Yeah. Project. I was thinking more of professional architects, um, which I think maybe it could lead to that. So yeah. yeah, I mean, these kinds of things that are happening to me are um, are uh, really interesting opportunities for Richmond to lead a conversation. Jump in here, because what what is unless you had something to say to follow that, but what is the what is the opportunity? There's always opportunity in history. There's always and there's what is the opportunity of the moment when we're looking around all of this monument discussion. You think about the city as a, as a place for art to happen that is transformative. You know, it's about this thinking about the city more holistically and thinking about ways, think about the monuments that we think have power today. You know, they're not necessarily yet another body, another person on this pedestal, but they're powerful works of art. Whether it's the giant gash in the landscape of the Vietnam Memorial, or the rushing water of, of the Twin Towers, is that Richarders don't 
that's just think about the power of art to transform. And what have we thought about Monument Avenue is this place where we did commission uh, an artist like they used to do. You know, the, the most recent work was local artists, but why don't we think bigger and more boldly about a work of art that could connect all the monuments that actually had comments on that work? Because yeah. um, I just don't think, I don't think we think big enough. I don't think we think big enough. Well, that, that's something I was, um, I was a little disappointed when the announcement of the commission came out and, and to see that, I, unless I'm um, mistaken, but I didn't really see a whole lot of designers there. And we have, that's such a resource and um, asset to our community. And it, you know, I, I hope in some way that the commission involves, uh, you know, organizations like Storefront for Community Design. Um, historians like Free Femi, who's like really in touch with the community and really in touch with her um, ancestors and stories here in the city. So, yeah, I, I noticed that too. I know artists, architects, planners, um, which I think could be a, a good addition as well. <laughs> uh, I was just going to kind of jump, you know, piggyback on the idea of, of what the what the opportunity is. And when I when I look at the monuments, you, you've referenced the lost cause, the the idea. Um, that the South was just unwilling to really own the fact that the Civil War was about slavery, yes. that, that it was about race. Yes. And that, and that is a deeper issue that pervades our institutions today. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the, the activity of the Virginia General Assembly in general, they have a long, long legacy of, of working intentionally to maintain a racial hierarchy. And that I see that the monuments as a symptom of and not as a, a, a cause of. So I think that there is an opportunity to have a deeper, uh, a deeper conversation to look back on history, to look back on what's been done, including things like the 1902 Virginia Constitution that in Jackson Ward took uh, about 99% of black voters off the voter rolls. Um, that is a massive, a massive impact. And, that, and, and, th and this was happening all at the same time. These are Jim Crow era statue, statues. So I think that the opportunity is to look back on our history, other historians here in Richmond, like uh, Ben Campbell, have talked about our unhealed history. And I think that the opportunity might be that we could own up to our true history and heal by having truth be told. Um, truth be told about our city, truth be told about our institutions. And I think that you can't separate that from the conversation about race, but also the conversation about money and power, mm -hmm. um, because slavery was was an economic system. Mm -hmm. It was and and it was perpetuated to maintain financial gain and and financial motives. So I think that it's fitting that you know Monument Avenue is the one of the richest places. I mean, I think that that's the mm -hmm. fact that. Those are million-dollar homes along At least. that, you know, the, the symbolism of, of that alone, but, but it, I think, also, shows you just how interweaved yeah. it is with... But it's also this street of uh, made-up history. I yes. Mean, it's, it was, yeah. it's a product of 1890. Yeah. It's not, it's not the real history. It's, it's this made-up history. And so to go back to places where there's real history mm -hmm. and to, to begin to mark the places where real history happened. Well, you know, the, the, the made-up history of white supremacy. Right. That's made up. It the is. fact that whites are, you know, are the superior race. 
I mean, that whole... So, so maybe that's the <laughs> moment. Maybe that's the moment. The moment I mean, is this opportunity for us to talk about this construct that made a white community feel comfortable with what the crimes of what happened in the city. And I think that that's why Richmond is different than a Charlottesville, because it, this was ground zero. We were the capital mm -hmm. of the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. They're, so I think we have to approach it differently because if there's one place that we need to make sure reminds the world of what happened, it needs to be Richmond was the, uh, the center of that activity. Was. I mean, yeah, I think, but we're, you know, we're in an era of, you know, delegitimizing mm. narratives. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I mean, and I think most people don't know what history is. Mm -hmm. Let's just be straight about yeah. it, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a culture war going on in the United States. It's been raging for the last 40 years about who gets to tell what particular story. Mm -hmm. This whole idea of revisionist history, right? I mean, all history is revisionist. It's fundamentally revisionist because you're retelling something, right? And I think that's the conversation that needs to be had out front before you even have a conversation about these. It's like, what is history, right? And what does all of this mean when we're talking about telling stories? When we're talking about who gets to define power and who gets to define legacy. And I think that's the big issue with Monument mm -hmm. Avenue is the mythology around what the Jim Crow South was, what the slave South was. We still have a lot of people. And I hear this. It's not specific to white folks. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of misinformation about what slavery was and what Jim Crow was. I mean, there's still people around this city that don't recognize that. African-Americans might have been slaves in Shaco Bottom, but they didn't live with their masters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They lived apart from their masters. There's a lot of granularity in slavery. There's some very unique, and if I could push back very just gently again. Oh, push me. Don't make it gentle. Push. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it happen. Richmond and Virginia, this is what makes it even more of a declension narrative. We're at the forefront of a lot of things. Like <laughs> racial cooperation within the context of Jim Crow, elected a black man in the city council in 1948. African, the first interracial party, the readjusters after the Civil War, almost overhauled the General Assembly yeah. before the Constitutional Convention in 1901-1902. I think this is a perfect opportunity around the mice to, to reimagine what Virginians actually did right yeah. within the context of all this wrongness, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it, to have a more thorough conversation about what history is and about what who, that who, avenue. Who, who creates this? Who creates all this? Because some people think there is a narrative. Correct. And anything else is a footnote or a parallel narrative. And I think that that's the problem. I mean, you know, that avenue really is a metaphor mm -hmm. for how people think about history. Mm -hmm. There's one road and everything else is a sidebar. And I think we need to reimagine how these connected tissues make a whole thing right because every day and every time the conversation about monument avenue starts again and it's happened before i mean it was it happened in the 70s 80s every time that conversation happens it's not about the monuments it's about it's about these larger societal issues right that we need to make sure get addressed as well. but here's the thing and i'm guilty of that i will tell you that i am guilty of that and i think the first thing in regards to thinking kind of monument avenue is the ball game and I have trouble, actually, difficulty, because I lived through when they put Arthur Ashe up on Monument Avenue. Mm -hmm. And I remember how excited my family was 
when they put Arthur Ashe on Monument Avenue. And I talk, I could talk to 10 people today walking around the street. They don't know Arthur Ashe's on Monument Avenue. Or, or the narrative that we're talking about isn't about addition. Right. No. It really isn't about, uh, you know, at this point. And so, so I would ask Pam, how do, is that a conversation that can, is that, even, is that something that can be done, you think, in your mind in regards to adding other stories to Monument Avenue? Or is that still not not going to do it when we walk around and we, we're at our, look, we're at our family picnic and they're just like, you believe what they did? Right, they just right. put Harriet Tubman on my I think like, like Julian was talking about what we, we need to talk about what history is. We need to talk about what the monuments mean to everybody in Virginia when they go down that street. And I think that, you know, at least from what I'm getting around the table is the bottom line is about celebration. And we can talk about celebrating Arthur Ashe, but can we talk about celebrating Robert E. Lee or these other monumental? Jeff Davis. Right. Mm. Jeff, 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 Jeff. right. I mean, so I think well, that. Low hanging fruit during the election, too, was to the Jeff Davis. I think Morrissey did the whole thing. Right. He was the easiest one to say we can remove. Right? So I just think that I think that it's better to, you know, again, I'm not like all y'all. But I, I think, from a community perspective, you know, it, it, when we're talking about Monument Avenue, then everyone should be able to walk down Monument Avenue, take pictures in front of these statues, and talk about how proud they are about whatever happened, not have two different stories to tell, where one person is talking about how he's a civil rights, I mean, civil, uh, I mean, Confederate person, leader, or whatever, and somebody else talking about how he dealt with um, you know, slavery and segregation and all of that. It should be that when we go down Monument Avenue that we're talking about things that make us proud as, you know, a community, as a people, and as Virginians. So I'm well, thinking... Well, so when I first moved here, <laughs> and, and one of my students said, um, we have King Lee Davis. I was like, hold up, wait, wait, Lee wait, Jackson wait, wait. Yeah. Uh, so you're saying that there's not a Martin Luther King Day? Uh, no. <laughs> there is a Lee Jackson King Day. And I, I, I just could not wrap myself and that was around normal. that at all. I could not wrap myself yeah, around that. You know, the, the, the whole idea of, I had this dialogue with somebody online today about this idea of, of revisionist history, of, of marginalizing history, of, of um, what do I want to say, um, uh, thinning it out or, or making minimalizing it. Um, for example, the word slave or slavery. This person wanted to equate that with um, uh, with uh, the current argument that we're having around minimum wage and the lack of health care and the lack of you know wanted to take that take that word and say it's like slavery no, and I was like I, I I mean that totally appalled me I said and would and what and what if I said yes um, you know my boss was treating me like I'm in the Holocaust. I mean, it's, you know, it's like you take these, that, that, that is a way of us and, and Richmond does it, um, that avenue does it. It takes us away from the actual real people, real life consequences of that institution. 
and what happened in this town and how the money that is on Monument Avenue is because of uh, the lashes, you know, and the, the, um, the uh, livestock, the human livestock that built this, um, this uh, state, this city. And, and that is what does not, I mean, all this money, it's like, why did we, when, when I went to visit um, uh, Monticello, and I saw how much it cost to get to, to go, I told the lady, I'm not paying. I said, I am not going to pay to get on the plantation. Do you understand? I'm not paying to get on the plantation. Yeah. And my son was very embarrassed, yeah. you know, but I actually had them call the manager. Because I wanted to discuss that. But you already were on the plantation. Yes, I know. I'm not, I mean, that whole area. I know, I know. But I wasn't going to pay money. You understand? And I didn't pay either. I do well, I, well, I want to back to one thing. Let me, let me yeah, ask one thing, too, because it's, it's in... And I don't know, you, you might have been going there as well, though, because I don't know how... I went back, back that's where I'm going to trust me. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how, and I struggle with, if we... As, and I want to go back to the quote, <laughs> set the historical record straight. If there is an accurate story of these monuments or a place like Monument Avenue, um, and it's recontextualized, I still have a hard time, based off of what I know now, maybe I'll learn more. But I still have a hard time, as Ted said, people come from out of town to celebrate and visit, and really, it's a really historical landmark piece. It's a federally recognized historical landmark piece. But if we're telling the act, the, his, the, if we're setting the record straight, wouldn't their celebration in some way hurt me a little bit if people were going to, to take those photos like they do now? Like, it's you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a celebration of the whole community, like, not of certain people. Right, so how do we go about do we, like if they're going to stay there or if, they're, if the plan is to add more or recontextualize how does learning more, how do we kind of reconcile that? Because the more I learn, the more disappointed yeah, I get. No. Well, I think that's a good thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's what's the good thing, though, is that we should be disappointed and that people who, people should learn about it and be disappointed and be mad um, and want to do something about it. Um, so, but I do think there's a lot of folks who, you know, the history just isn't known. The history was yeah. revisionist. The history isn't accurate. Um, you know, I think even a lot of the, sort of celebrants of Southern history don't even know some of this stuff, you know? Um, and they, I think they do need to be told. Um, you know, that is a tough question. I don't think I'm the right person, frankly, to answer. Like, is any of us? People celebrating that yeah, because yeah. it's not, it's different right, 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 for right, me, just to be clear. Um, but, you know, I do think that Monument Avenue is um, is an opportunity to do that. There's lots of other places in Richmond, to Bill's point, where there's true history. Um, there's actual things that happened. Um, you know, whether it's Devil's Half Acre and Chaco Bottom or the slave docks, or you know, there's just as Bill taught me several years ago, this project I'm working on. Yeah, the achievements, the people, the achievements of people in the city against all. Uh, yeah, is something that you you know, and so you've got you've got the hero, the Confederate heroes there. They didn't triumph against all odds. You know, I, Ray Boone, who was for years and years at the Free Press, and was a great you know, his my favorite quote from Ray. Well, I don't really care. It's nothing but a street of losers. 
<laughs> it was called the yeah. Street of um, Second Place Trophies. Right. It was right. You know, and I think that that I, I do think that there's something there in, in the visual vocabulary to between the monuments, or somehow connect those monuments in some really strong, powerful ways. When you drive down that street, you know that it's more than just a Confederate hero. That there's a story that the connective tissue, or, or the, is that space in between? I know, but I, but I think it would be an artist challenge. If you tear the monuments down, you don't get to do, I think, the most righteous endeavor, which is wage war on nostalgia. Mm -hmm. And nostalgia is killing America, man. Mm. And I, I mean, and it's not just about Confederate monuments. It's about it's about people loaning for an imaginary. There, first thing I say when I teach you a history class, there's no such thing as a good old days. Right? <laughs> just, they're not, right? People have always struggled um, in one capacity or another. But I mean, even if you look at the, 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 the last presidential election, this is nostalgia about what America was. Right. In the 1950s, America great. 1950s right. one third of Americans lived in poverty. But, but somehow we've allowed images, particularly those on television, to dictate how we think about um, <laughs> What really happened? And I think, you know, but you cannot wage war on nostalgia if you don't disrupt actually it. interrogate you have to actively what the nostalgia it. that people are celebrating. But you no, have no, to, I've, I've, I've got to jump in. Right. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, because, no, to your point, that like, it's not binary, right? It isn't just literally no one's able to split the switch and have these vanish. No matter what happens, it will be years in the making. Yeah. Right. Those years are what we have to work on. But they have to be gone. There is no connective tissue because then they still exist, mm -hmm. and then people still go to them, and they don't care what's between them. I have, no, I have because no. you know what's between them. What's between them are black bodies swinging from mm -hmm. those trees. Yeah. That's the connective tissue. Because when I drive down, you know, when I first came to Richmond and I started driving down the, that street and saw those lights underneath those, mm -hmm. those huge. <laughs> The thing that I saw on the sides were those huge trees, and what I envisioned were bodies swinging from those trees. Well, so you, you know, that, I mean, I'm, ju I'm just saying the connective—not literally, but I'm just saying the connective tissue is about that. Right. No, and the no, fact is, is, is like, look, like we'll get over it when they're gone; they'll be gone. But they don't—they shouldn't be gone and then forgotten, and we don't have this talk about the history. And there's a way to do it. To your point, there are artists and there's thinkers and there's people who could come up with solutions, but it doesn't mean you have to leave them there because like and you said we, about the Holocaust, and we need to if they were swastikas down yes, the road, you wouldn't be like, well, we should keep them yeah, talk But Auschwitz is still there. Yeah, right? it, it is, there. but it's, it's not the center of town. But you it's, make that the center of Richmond? But it's still, still there. there. And, there. and by the way, if, if you've been to Germany, there are plaques everywhere that yeah, says, yeah, yeah. this happened here, this happened in this building. I mean, there are statements where... I mean, it's amazing the nature in which they preserved the, uh, the the granularity of the systematic and industrial annihilation of, of those of those human beings, and I if and those buildings make that that history and and those lives. You can't. I don't think you see the people swinging from the trees if the monuments aren't there. I'm just being provocative. No, no, I'm saying right? when the monuments right. are there, that's what I see. Right. I not only see the monuments, right. I see the people. Absolutely, no, I, I'm trees. with you there. That's, right. what I'm that's, that's yeah. the yeah. more explicitly. And, and, and that would be yeah. this amazing yeah. experience. What happens if a yeah. visitor to Richmond drives down that streets? And sees that part of the story too as part of the new visual vocabulary. Don't we have a responsibility to do that? We do, and that right, and we're going to lose that. But does it have to be there? 
Well, I, 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 so well, then do you all think that it would lower the value of that of that yeah, yeah, town? Yeah. <laughs> you would have to push gone? back like you wouldn't believe. Will it lower? That. Will it lower the value of that side of town on Monument Avenue? Will it lower the value if they're removed or replaced with other monuments? I'm sure it's come up. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's come up. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Though, do, is, if it's come up, does anyone have an answer? I don't think you can have a conversation about racial equity in the United States without it. Ultimately, going back to money, and um, and so I think, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that that's going to be a hurdle that will need to be overcome at some point in in, in one way or the other. Two quick questions, because I, and I somebody asked me this, and I don't know the answer to this. As of right now, like, who pays? Is it the city of Richmond that pays for the upkeep of the monuments? As it is, with right exception, now? Lee is under the purview of the Commonwealth. The, the state owns one. Right. Okay. They own Lee, and all the others are owned by the city of Richmond. And we pay state tax and city tax. Well, I mean, I think we need to look at this broader, broader yeah. look at, at city properties in general, um, because there's cemeteries across that are city-owned cemeteries like Oakwood Cemetery, where the, if if you go there today, there are more Confederate flags than there are in any other part of the town. It's a city-owned property. I think <laughs> no, Churchill too. Churchill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right there. I mean, so these are. You know, I think that we need to look at it this broader, what do we tell people? That it's about what do we call places, it's back to what do we call places. You know, does a city, should a city property allow the display of Confederate flags? So, right, let, I mean, to, to talk about this in the context of what yeah, actually yeah. happens in Richmond when you take down a Confederate flag. Right, I'm just right. putting Six but years of, of protest in front of VMFA with like flags yes, every those day, huge flags. giant flags every day, and that I, was a flag they took down. That makes me so uncomfortable. But that, but that's, but, but to the point, to and the, then you got the the discuss, rights But to the point, of the discussion that has to be made because there's disenfranchised people who will not, who don't learn from this process, right? If there, if this isn't about history and education and bringing a community together, like you will just forever have people separated ideologically in the city, right? I mean, obviously, if they can't handle their flag, that's you know, historically inaccurate flag taken down. Maybe a good model is what's happening on a small scale is at um, St. Paul's Episcopal Church, yes. where right. they're yes. removing the iconography, but they're having community conversations, yes. and it's a very slow process, mm -hmm. but it's happening. Yeah, we've been working with them, the Conciliation Project. We did Uncle Tom deconstructed as a kickoff kind mm -hmm. of event to the community dialogue around that which has been going on now for over a year and what's the reaction from the community and the church the church has been you know it's um it's a it's very tender it's a tender topic you know i mean in those dialogues um uh there's a lot of how do i say very carefully crafted conversation um however the church uh, as as the leadership and the congregation are all for it, they're all in. They're all in about removing the iconic, you know, sim symbology of the Confederacy from the church because their ultimate goal is to invite the community into the church. Mm -hmm. Right. Their ultimate goal is that we have uh, a healing um, of the community and that the church doesn't remain an all white space. 
And so they've got to make it then, if, if, it, if it's not going to remain an all-white space, they've got to take away the things, the barriers, that are keeping people who are not white from entering in. So I've got to wrap up on two points. Um, this has been great. Uh, but uh, I do want to ask because I know Alex is a songwriter. He he's amongst many other things, but he is a song he is a songwriter. Uh, Hundred years from now, for writing a song about right now, and we're talking about it in this context. What does what do you think that song kind of? What's the tone of that song? Be beachfront property. That's, that's an interesting yeah. question. It'll be your beach for a property is what it's going to be. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is the tone of the song? Well, yeah, yeah. What is the kind of the, not, not, I don't want to use narrative. We sure. beat that word to death. Yeah, yeah. What is the, if we're talking about this time period right now and 100 years from now? Uh, I mean, the first word that comes to my brain is just denial. Um, <laughs> and like a sense of irony. I think, I mean, as a songwriter and an artist, I mean, like, I think those are some of like the, the greatest tools that we have is, is using things like irony um, to expose the truth and to talk about the truth. And, and I think in the great songwriters, they're able to capture um, the truth in ways that are not sort of straightforward saying it in, in a way that is, you know, like this is what happened, but really kind of speaking around it and, sh and, and revealing it in that way. So if I were approaching a song like talking about this, it, it might, I mean, this is coming from my personal place. Sure, though, absolutely. Where I'm greatly offended by the monuments and all the better facts. It would be pretty snarky for me um, <laughs> if, I, if I were working on this, but it depends on the writer. Um, it's an interesting question. I'm going to ask uh, Kelly, this is part two of that, because you're a storyteller. You uh, tell stories all the time. hundred years from now, what is the story that's going to be told about this kind of conversation, these types of conversations around these monuments in 2017 going forward? Yeah, for me, it's less about what's the story and more about who's telling it. And so um, what part of what I'm doing with the latest project I'm working on, um, Storefront Studio, is working with young people, um, teaching them the tools of my trade, um, public media, and helping young people tell their own stories about their own neighborhoods, which are monuments. Mm -hmm. And I'll, ra I'll wrap up on this because I'll, I'll, I'll kind of end round where I started with Julian and Bill. Because you talked about a lot of things in regards to bigger problems, right? This is just kind of, this is a discussion, but we have really bigger problems. Uh, is this, are, are we being caught in the matrix or is this a real, when I say that, are we being caught in the matrix from pulling away from public education, and, and I know a lot of people are doing a lot of different things, but there's issues about the crime, there's issues about no, uh, public education, like, are we getting caught in the matrix, no. or is this the discussion we need to be having? I, I think 100 years from now, historians are going to write about this era, much like they wrote about Reconstruction, man, mm -hmm. right? There's this systematic undoing of, of the forces of permissiveness, right? That's what we're witnessing right now. Right, everybody was so happy patting themselves on the back of freedom struggles in the mid 20th century. They forgot how people systematically dismantled that freedom struggle um, almost immediately. Have we seen progress? Absolutely, right. But I think the story that can be written is this: this is this isn't about um, getting caught up in. And we shouldn't. Some this is a system. This is this conversation is part of a much more tragic American narrative. And is that and it's this is that. Um, America often sways back and forth between times of 
more political access and more political restriction. And we are in an era of political and cultural restriction right now. We swing back and forth. It's the pendulum. And um, hopefully that pendulum swings a little bit more toward justice than it does toward injustice. But I'm telling you, I think right now, that's, that's where we're at. And I think we, we, we are comfortable with these comfortable symbols. So we, we can say, this doesn't mean anything. We've had Obama's president. Right. When in fact. And now we'll try to erase him. Well, but now I think that then it becomes this comfortable. We, we have a comfortable narrative which allows us to escape the uncomfortable truth about what our society, what is at the deep roots of our society, economic and racial injustice. And what, and what happened as a result of that, right. those but, two presidential but we, terms? But we've always right? done that. We've always done that. We, we find comfortable symbols to, to make us feel better about what we're about to do to each other. And what I'm saying is, while we're comfortable in those symbols, the forces of restriction are at work. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. right. exactly. I, I have to say one, one other thing. Yep. And the thing, though, about the comfortability is that for some people, that comfortability is deadly. Right. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. It's about life and death. And death is, you know, the outcome for a lot of people. Right. We're going to have to end it there. I'd like to thank Noah, thank Ted, Dr. T, mm. Pam, Kelly, Julian, Alex, and Bill. I also have to thank everyone that worked on the podcast, Jordan, Matt, Reza, thank you very much. I've got to thank our new sponsor, we're very excited about that, to be on the podcast, um, Health Warrior. We are right here at Health Warrior. Health Warrior is the amazing superfood headquartered right here in Richmond, and it is available at Whole Foods, Wegmans, Target, Kroger, and Elwood Thompson. Please support the good people of Health Warrior. I, 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 I can't, there's no other way to wrap this up. I think you guys have said it all. This is uh, the Table Podcast. Tune in to next time. We see you.